Our pastor today is going to be in the Old Testament book of Daniel. Go ahead and be head there if you would. Daniel chapter 1. And today we're going to talk about standing up for what we believe in. I've titled my sermon, Don't Compromise Your Convictions. Remember the last couple of weeks we've taken a break from the series we have been doing because we've been working our way uh, ever so slowly through the Bible and been hitting a lot of those major stories. The last couple of weeks we've talked about uh, being adopted by God and uh, we're, we're headed back into our series today. And we're not looking at Second Kings because, uh, well, this this incident is, or this this period of time is recorded in uh, two or three different places in the Bible. But we're going to look at the, this account out of Daniel's life. And you remember a couple of weeks ago, just to, just to refresh your memory, we talked about the revival that Judah had experienced under Josiah's rule. You remember Josiah was uh, a young man when he came, just a kid when he came onto the throne, and they ended up finding the uh, the book of the law in the temple, and that that convicted his heart. He began to institute a bunch of reforms, and the nation experienced a revival, and that was really the last one that they ever experienced. It wasn't too long after that that Josiah. We didn't we we didn't read this part in the Bible, but what happened is Josiah decided to stick his nose into another nation's business, and Egypt was going up to fight some people, and he went out to meet him, and he really didn't have any business doing that. Sounds kind of like other nations I know. And and he went out sticking his nose in other nations' businesses, business, and he ended up getting killed by the Pharaoh at the time. Pharaoh Necho, I believe was his name. And so Josiah was had died. His son takes the throne, and he's only there for a short amount of time, and the Pharaoh doesn't like him. He takes him into captivity. He takes him uh, in, in bondage to Egypt and puts Josiah's other son on the throne in his place. While this other son was ruling, in, in the midst of all this time, Babylon rises to power. Babylon becomes the new superpower, and Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon. He comes against Jerusalem, and he deports part of the people. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they're the guys we know about, they, they go in this first deportation. And actually, Babylon came against Jerusalem three times. This time it was Daniel and, his, and some of his friends and a bunch of other people as well. The second time probably included Ezekiel. And the third time was the time when they, they ransacked Jerusalem, burned down the temple, and Jeremiah was left behind on that third round. So just to kind of set you up on, on uh, how everything fits together. Now before we look at how Daniel stood up for his belief, beliefs, I believe it's important for us to, to notice that like us, he was in a compromising situation. I know we haven't read this yet, but we're going to shortly. Uh, he was taken to a place far from his home. He was taken to a foreign land surrounded by heathens that, that did not worship God. They were uh, polytheists. They worshipped all kinds of gods. And he would, he would have been taken away from his, his religious heritage, most likely his family, the temple. All these godly influences were far from him. And you know, a lot of people, whenever they get away from home, whenever they're at a hotel, whenever they're on vacation, they kind of... They kind of make choices they wouldn't normally make, don't they? Maybe they'll watch something on TV they wouldn't normally watch. They think, well, nobody nobody here knows me. They'll never see me again, so I'll just do whatever. I'll sow some wild oats. I don't have the people back home that's watching me. I don't have their support. I'm going to I'm gonna go off the deep end for a while, but I'll straighten back up whenever I go back home. He was, he was off in a place where, where he could have done any of that stuff, but he didn't. And, and especially when you consider he was probably about 15 to 17 years old. He was a teenager. 
and he still held to his convictions. He, we'll read here in a minute, he was given a different name. He had a Hebrew name. Daniel means God is my judge. But he, he was given a different name. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they are Babylonian names. We don't think of uh, Azariah and Mishael and, and so on and so forth. Those are their Hebrew names. I don't think it's kind of, you know, whenever you call tech support and you get India and you talk to Bob, you know, I don't think that they probably, I, I think these Hebrews, they probably called each other by their, their Hebrew names. I don't think they called each other by their Babylonian names. But they were, it, it was this process of, of showing them who was boss. They were in captivity to the Babylonians. The Babylonians were, were in charge. They had power over them and they still stuck to their convictions. They were, they were indoctrinated with those things from Babylon. A new language, new, new uh, literature, new culture. And those things were forced upon them. And, and likewise, we live in a compromising situation. We live in a world that's not our home. Uh, we're just a passing through, right? Our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. I'll not go into that. Uh, maybe, maybe our compromising situation is our unethical boss. He wants us to cook the books, fudge the truth, lie, do something unethical. And failing to do so can cost us our job, can make us an outcast. I've worked in places where, if, uh, one place I worked, there, were, there was the boss, the main boss, and then there was kind of like a, a hireling that went along with the boss. And for some reason, every year, they would pick somebody out and they would just ride them all the time. They're always on them, always pestering them, always, and, and it made life miserable. And people would quit because they just couldn't put up with it. And, and maybe, maybe, you know, if, if your unethical boss wants you to do something and you don't go along with it, your life's going to be miserable. Maybe that's that pressure to compromise. Maybe your maybe your uh, compromising situation is at school. You know, you hang out with with uh, with a certain group of people, and, and maybe you go to a party, and and somebody brings booze, and you're you're expected to go along and 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 drink some of that. Or maybe somebody pressures you to take pictures of them of yourself and text them uh, to them, or to go further than you're comfortable with on a date. Or or maybe you know there there are always those kids in school that just aren't the popular kids, and maybe. Maybe you're expected to, to kind of rough them up or, or give them a hard time like everybody else. Maybe your compromising situation for those of us in the workforce is work. Maybe maybe you're looking for a job and you say, well, you know, this place is, has these, qualifi- uh, these requirements. My qualifications don't meet. I'll just make up a little something, put on my resume. I'll pad it a little bit. I'll doctor it. One of the things that, that I've seen... You know, teachers are terrible about rumors. Did you know that? Teachers are terrible about rumors. Maybe your compromising situation at work is gossiping. Gossiping about a coworker. Somebody said that gossip is, is the fast food of conversation. It's cheap, easy, and bursting with uncomplicated appeal. I agree with the old preacher who said that, that, that somebody that uses your ear to, to, to tell gossip to, they're just using your ear like a sewage ditch taking it from one place to another. Now, now, gossip can ruin a reputation. It doesn't take any amount of time at all. And, and just those in, insinuations, those innuendos. And if you find yourself in a situation, sometimes people say, well, what is gossip? Alan Redpath, he was, uh, he was an old preacher, and he encouraged, he encouraged people to think before they spoke. Well, that's obvious, right? We should do that. But think is an acrostic. You should run. You should run whatever you say, especially with gossip, through these through these things. First T, 
Is it true? Sometimes people will they'll, they'll, they'll gossip about somebody. Well, I think this may be the case. Or, well, I, I suspect, or if I know this person, this is what they've done. They don't know it for a fact. If it's not true, if you don't know for a fact it's true, don't say it. Is it helpful? Some things are true, but they don't need to be shared. Don't say it. Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? And, and the K, is it kind? There's a lot of true stuff out there that really don't need, doesn't need to be shared because it's nobody else's business. And it happens at work. It happens in churches. Oh, well, let me tell you about a prayer request I have. Oh, well, tell me about the prayer request. Well, let me share my, your prayer request with all my friends. Okay, that's, yeah, that's, that's, not, that's not good. Maybe at work you're tempted to, to doctor your timesheet. Well, I mean, there are all kinds of pressures to compromise, and compromising can be a good thing. If you compromise uh, where you're going to vacation or something, but moral compromise is never good. It should never be considered. So look at Daniel chapter 1, and I want us to, to read um, the, this chapter, and I want you to see how Daniel stands for his beliefs. Chapter 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them into the land of Shinar. Now, Shinar is just an ancient name for Babylon. To the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. And I want to pause here for just a second because uh, later on we will read in, in a different passage that... Um, that all the, the utensils from the house of God are taken from Judah to Babylon. They were polytheists. They didn't have a problem with, with Judah worshiping their God. They just took part of it and left, you know, left a lot of the stuff that was needed for their, uh, for their sacrifices and things. They left that over, over there. Later, they'll take all of it. Anyway, verse 3. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of the officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and of the nobles. Use in whom was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding, uh, sorry, with understanding and discerning knowledge, and who had ability for serving in the king's court. And he ordered him to teach them the, lang the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's choice food, and from the wine which he drank, and appointed that they should be educated three years at the end. Uh, three years, at the end of which they were to enter the king's personal service. Now among them from the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Then the commander of the officials assigned new names to them, and to Daniel he assigned the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Now I just want to, this is just kind of an aside, probably don't, you probably don't care about this, but for Probably 20 years I mispronounced Abednego's name. And you probably have too. It wasn't until I watched Jeopardy that I pronounced it right. Because I heard Alex Trebek pronounce it Abednego. Most of us say, what? Abednego, right? But if you look, it's actually Abednego, the servant of Nego, which is one of their, one of their gods. Anyway, so if you ever hear somebody say Abednego, and you'll hear it everywhere now, no, ah. They just said it wrong. <laughs> anyway, verse 8. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion to the side of the commander of the officials, 
And the commander of the officials said to Daniel, I am afraid of the Lord my king, who has appointed your food and your drink. For why should he see your faces looking more haggard than the youths who are your own age? Then you would make me forfeit my head to the king. But Daniel said to the overseer, whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please set your servants for ten days, and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be observed in your presence and the appearance of the youths who are eating the king's choice food, and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, their appearance seemed better, and they were fatter than all the youths who had been eating the king's choice food. So the overseer continued to withhold their choice food and the wine which they were, were to drink, and kept giving them vegetables. As for these youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Then at the end of the days, which the king had specified for, for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and out of them all was not found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, so they entered the king's personal service. As for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in all his realm. And Daniel continued until the first, day, first year of Cyrus the king. Now, how did Daniel stand for his convictions? And more importantly, how should we stand for our uh, convictions? First, we should stand for them resolvedly. Resolvedly. Now, Daniel acted on his convictions, or you might say his principles. Now, what is a conviction? What is a principle? Well, a conviction or a principle is a hill that you're willing to die on. It's one of those non-negotiable things that you have in your life. And a conviction is not the same thing as a preference. Mark that down. A, a, a conviction is not the same thing as a preference. A lot of people in churches kind of get this confused because an issue will come up. What color should the carpet be? What color should the curtains be? All these different things. What should, should the preacher wear a tie or shouldn't he wear a tie? Uh, what, what style of music should we have? Things like that. And some people, they may feel very strongly about it. They may have a strong preference, but that is not a conviction of theirs. Now, Daniel ordered his life around certain convictions or certain principles. And, and some of these things, they, they may matter a lot to us personally, but you think in 50 years you're really going to care if the preacher wore a tie? Probably not. You think you're going to care if the carpet's blue or, or brown? Probably not. But Daniel ordered his life around certain convictions and principles, and he said, I will not defile myself with the king's food. Now, what was it that would have defiled him? We don't know what they were serving, so we can't say for sure. Probably, it refers back to the book of Leviticus. Remember in Leviticus, God said, you can eat this type of food, you can't eat this type of food. Maybe they were serving pork chops. Well, that would have been off limits because pork was a no-no. Oftentimes, these, these heathen nations, they would offer up their food as an offering to their, to their gods, to their idols. And so it may have been that he said, you know what, I'm not going to eat food that's sacrificed to an idol. It, it, it was probably a, a combination of these things. But whatever his reasons were, he resolved to follow God. Now, once you look back at verse 8, because that's the key to the whole passage. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank, so he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. That verse is the key verse. And in particular, if, if you mark in your Bible, made up his mind, or your Bible may say resolved or decided or something like that, that is the key 
word in this whole passage, I'm, I'm convinced. That means that he purposed in his heart. He, he made a, a firm resolution in his inner man. He, he made a choice to follow God. That sounds a lot like a lot of other passages I've, I've read. What, what did Joshua say to the Israelites? He said, you know, whether it's better to serve the gods that your father served over the, over the river or, or better to serve God, you make up your own mind, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In, in, uh, in the book of the Kings, Elijah had the 450 prophets of Baal come out. And what did he say? He said, if Baal is God, follow him. If God is God, follow him. But you need to get off the fence, make up your mind, and choose this day who you're going to follow. And what this, what I'm saying is you're not going to follow God by accident. You need, to, you, may, you need to make up your mind and follow Him. Make a choice to do what God says. And you need to choose early to follow Him. Because sometimes we think, well, Pastor, I'm pretty strong. I'm, I don't want to brag, but I, you know, if I'm faced with those temptations, I'll just make a good choice. I'll rely on the Spirit's help. Well, you can do that, but you know what? If you think until if you think you'll wait till you're in the heat of the moment and you're still going to make a good decision, you're probably wrong, because you're going to have those those pressures that the flesh is going to rear up. You need to make the choice early, so when you when you get under that pressure, you can say, "I've already I've already made this choice. I've already decided this." So so even though Daniel was surrounded by ungodly people, far from home, far from godly influences, he still resolved to follow God. The second way he responded, if, if you look in your passage there, is that he responded religiously. Resolvedly and religiously. Now, I don't mean he was holier than thou, but his convictions were based on the Word of God. Based on the Word of God. He was familiar with God's Word. He knew what the Bible said, and then he, he based his life on it. Psalm 119, verse 9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your Word. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said that the man who hears my words and then acts on them is like the man who builds his house on a rock. But the one who doesn't do my word is like the man who builds his house on sand. We need to, we need to dig down to the rock of ages and build our lives on him. Abraham Lincoln, he, he once said, Be sure to put your feet in the right place and then stand firm. I like that. Be sure to put your feet in the right place and then stand firm. But unfortunately, many of us don't do that. We're, we're not like Abraham Lincoln. We're more like Groucho Marx. Remember Groucho Marx who always had the, the big eyebrows and the, uh, the cigar? He said, those are my principles, and if you don't like them, well, I have others. <laughs> and, and many times we're like that. We're wishy-washy. We don't have a backbone. We need convictions, and they need to be based on God's Word. Now, what happened... When Daniel went to this official, look, look in your Bible. What happened? He made him a deal. Okay. Well, in in particular, verse nine. What did God? What did God give him? He, he granted him favor. He granted him favor with the head of the officials, the head of the eunuchs, and ultimately he got his request granted. But what do you think would have happened if he didn't get it granted? Now, I tell you, we can do all the right things and people may still not go along with us. We can say all the right things, believe all the right things, put our, put our feet firmly on the, uh, on the rock, 
Stand for what's right, and people may still come against us. You think of the book of Acts. What did Jesus say? Go into all the world. Be my, be my witnesses. Be my disciples. Make disciples of all the nations. Tell people about Jesus. And you'll be able to do it because the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And so we see them doing that. And what happens? They're being obedient to God. Did God grant them favor with the religious leaders? No. They got hauled into prison, beaten, stoned. Later on in the book of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego are out there in the plain. Nebuchadnezzar builds a statue. He says, everybody bow down to it. They don't do it. What happens? The king says, I like you a lot, but I'm really mad at you. If you don't do it, you're going to be thrown to a fiery furnace. And what do they say? Well, you know, the God that we serve can save us from that if he wants to. He may not. But either way, we're not going to do what you say. And I think that Daniel would have done the same thing. Even if they wouldn't have, have granted his request, he still would have stayed faithful to God because he recognized that he, he had somebody higher that he answered to besides Nebuchadnezzar. And I, I want to ask you a question. Do you stand behind your convictions that strongly? Do you stand behind your convictions so strongly that no matter what, you could honestly say, I will follow God in this matter? So Daniel stood up for what I believed uh, uh, resolvedly, religiously, and the last thing I want you to see is he did it respectfully. Respectfully. Now, he comes to this, he's, this commander, he says, I don't want to defile myself with the food. The commander says, you have to. And he says, well, how about we make a deal? And, and, and I notice in Daniel's behavior here that he did not demand his rights. He did not demand his rights. Today, it's very common to hear people talk about their rights. Well, it's my right to do this. I have a right to do that. It's a free country. I'll do whatever I want. Daniel didn't do that. He didn't go looking for an issue. The issue came to him. And some people look for a reason, I think, to pitch a fit about something. They look for a reason to get mad, to, 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 to cause a fuss. You just look at the way some of the people file lawsuits. They'll make us think about something just because they don't like it. They're not offended. They just don't like it. There are a group... Uh, <laughs> of course, we just had... Uh, we, we remember 9-11 just a couple weeks ago. And in New York City, one of, the, one of the towers that fell, one of the things that was left was an I-beam that was standing like this and part of an I-beam that was going across like this. It makes the form of a cross. It's not something they built. That's just what was left. There are a bunch of atheists that want that torn down, even though it's part of the museum. My understanding is that it is. They want it torn down because they say it makes them physically ill to look at the shape of a cross. Well, here's my solution. Don't look at it. Whoop-de-doo. You got a problem with it? Don't look at it. Don't go to New York City. Look at everything but that. You see it? Oh, I don't want to look at that. Look at the ground. Look at your neighbor. Look at, look at your sweet wife. Don't look at that. If that makes you sick, whoop-de-doo. Toughen up. Buttercup. People make a big fuss about everything because they think they're more important than everybody else. Daniel didn't do that. Now he could have said, no, I'm not going to eat that food. You can't make me. He didn't do any of that. He didn't go looking for a fight. And he was reasonable. He, he came up with a solution that would work best for everybody. I used to, I used to work at a job that for a while... The schedule was part of us would work every Saturday 
or work a Saturday. The other part would work on the Sunday, and then the next week we'd switch. So like this week I'd work Saturday, the next week I'd work Sunday, and the people who had the opposite schedule would switch. And I didn't really like that schedule because I like to go to church. And so I went to my boss and I told him, and he okayed me uh, switching with somebody. And so I talked to the people at work and found somebody that they wanted every Saturday off, and I wanted every Sunday off. So we just switched. And it, it was great because it worked out for my boss. He had his shifts covered. I had every Sunday off, which is what I wanted, and the other person had every Saturday off, which is what they wanted. Now, it, it, it was reasonable. Daniel was reasonable in his request. He says, hey, give us some vegetables. And we think of vegetables, we think cucumbers and tomatoes. Um, even though that's technically fruit, I guess. But you know, you know what I mean. But the word that's used here doesn't speak of things like that. It speaks of some translations like the King James renders it pulse. It's 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 more like grain, barley, oats, wheat, corn, stuff like that. So he he's wanting he's wanting some some pulse, some some vegetables. And the guy says, yeah, that that sounds reasonable. He was he, even if people are not reasonable to you, you should always be respectful to them. And lastly, he was he he was respectful in his persistence. You may not have noticed this. I didn't the first several times I read it, but look at verse nine. Uh, we'll actually back up uh, to verse 8 at the end. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Okay? So God granted him favor in the sight of the commander of the officials, but the officials still said in verse 10, I'm afraid that the king is going to cut my head off if I do this. Verse 11, But Daniel said to the overseer, whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and he makes this deal. So Daniel got turned down the first time, but he didn't stop. He was persistent. And persistence is a good thing. Jesus said when we pray, we should, we should keep coming. We should keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking. It's okay to be persistent. My, my challenge is being persistent without being a pest. Being persistent without being a pain. And sometimes I'm a pain even if I'm not persistent. But Daniel's, Daniel's example proves the old saying that you can catch more flies with honey than vinegar. He was respectful. So just think about your, your life, your workplace, your family, your church life, your marriage, uh, how, how you spend your time online. What areas do you need to be on your guard in? Because compromise can be a good thing, but moral compromise is never a good thing. We need to, we need to base our lives on certain principles that are founded on God's Word and, and resolve not to move from those. Stand up for what you believe in may make you unpopular. There may be some people that say, you know what? You're gonna be a you're gonna be a you're gonna get religion? Well, I don't want to be around you. Peter said, if if you live right, you don't have to drop your friends, you just wait, they'll drop you. And there are gonna be some people that turn their back on you. And that's okay. Because you know what? They'll know what you what you believed in. If you stand up for what you believe in, it'll keep you from from violating your conscience. It'll it'll make you a good witness to other people. And isn't that what we're in that what we're trying to do as Christians to let our light shine? We don't do that by compromising. We don't do it by putting our light under a bushel. It's by standing firm, resolvedly, religiously, and respectfully. So, what area do you need to make a choice to follow God in?
Why don't you stand with me as the musician comes? Heads bowed and eyes closed. I just want you to, to think about different areas of your life. Maybe you've got maybe you've got a, a workplace situation, a marriage situation, school situation. Maybe just a personal situation. You're you're being confronted by stuff maybe nobody else knows about, but you're being confronted by stuff, and you're compromising. Daniel's example shows us we don't have to compromise. We need to stand firm. Resolve today. Follow God in an area. Maybe today you're feeling guilt from some sin that you've committed. Maybe from one of those compromises. There's forgiveness for that. It's only found in Jesus. John said that he's written these things to us that we might not sin, but if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He goes on to say that if we'll confess our sins, that God is faithful and just and forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. that you can ask yourself is have you ever followed God to begin with? Have you ever come to a point in your life when you've said, you know, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior and that Savior is Christ alone. If you've never done that, the Bible says you're condemned already. But there is salvation provided in Christ. Today you can make that choice. You can become a Christian, a follower of Christ. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for men like Daniel and, and his three friends that stood for you. And we're thankful for people maybe that we've never even heard of that on a daily basis are taking a stand for you. They're not compromising. They're not backing down, but they're standing firm. Lord, I ask that you'd help each of us to stand firm on what we believe. Not to go out looking for a fight, not looking to cause a big fuss, but to stand firm and be respectful. But at the same time, not go along because we're afraid to, to, to take a stand. God, there's somebody here who's compromised in some way. I ask that you would help them to find forgiveness. If somebody has never followed you in, in salvation, I ask that you would convict their hearts and let them do that today. In Jesus' name.